Hi again, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 130 of the Sports Podcast. And it's a great opportunity to bring back our good friend from Melbourne, Australia, Gemma Bastiani, to talk AFLW as we are, what, seven days away from the start of the season, maybe less than that. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, it would be it would be six days, I think. Yeah. For me, it's Saturday. Correct. Yes. And it's on Thursday. Yeah, maybe five even. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. 27, 28, something like that. All I know yeah. is it starts at 310 in the morning for me. And I probably oh, not. Yeah, probably watch it on delay. <laughs> I mean, reasonable. Yeah. I well, might be team, because though. of my lifestyle. I just kind of wake up in the middle of the night anyways. But uh, I'll probably just listen to it if that's the case anyways. Like kicking myself in the for saying, why are you still up? Or but it's your I team playing, so. I know, I know. It's Carlton versus uh, Collingwood. Before we get into that game, let's talk about your team, Melbourne. They've had a, <laughs> they've had a big off season. They've what made they traded six players away. They brought in new players. That that that's a major change for for a, a for a program that was uh, pretty much a a final fixture lately. Yeah. So it. It made sense why they did it. So Melbourne traded six players out. They delisted one, Ainsley Kemp, um, and drafted six new players, and they recruited a new Irish recruit. So now we have three Irish players on the team. Um, the reason they did it is because Melbourne did have an older list in the compar- comparatively to the rest of the um, competition, and there's an expectation that in the next two years or so, both Hawthorne and Essendon will come into the competition. Both of them are Victorian sides, so they will be drafting for the Victorian talent pool. Um, so once they come in and take a lot of that new talent to create their lists, that's around the time Melbourne would have been needing to replenish their list anyway. So the logic was get in now so that we're not screwed by the time that happens, which makes perfect sense. And the way they did it was actually really clever. Um, a lot of the players that they they traded out didn't really play much footy for Melbourne this year. So Bianca Jacobson, who went to St Kilda, she didn't play last year because she had work commitments. Um, Kat Smith, who got traded to the Giants, she did her ACL in the preseason last year, so didn't play at all. Um, and then you look at Maddie Guerin, who got injured in, I think it was round three. She did her ACL. Um, she played a game and a half for the D's last year. She got traded to Carlton. So, you know, in the context of impact on the side, I think the biggest issue um, is Harriet Cordner being traded to Richmond. But other than that, it's really exciting who they've got in. Yeah, I was uh, reading about them uh, just a little bit ago, and they were saying that they uh, they have a, a Daisy Pierce is new new captain, or she's returning as captain. I'm not sure which it was, but yeah, so it's it's her fourth season as captain. Um, the only reason it's not five is because in 2019 she was inactive; she was pregnant with her twins. Um, so yeah, so she's cap- just remaining captain again, which makes sense because she's amazing. Just talk about that. I mean, they've gone through quite a bit of changes too, right? Didn't they lose some of the coaching staff? Melbourne? Uh, no, Melbourne no. are pretty oh, okay. steady. Okay. Um, a few other clubs have because of COVID stuff and, you know, some changes. Right. Um, but Melbourne's coaching panel has been fairly steady for the past few years, which is good. That's cool. So uh, what is your uh, your thoughts on your team coming into the season? Um, I think it's 
have enthusiasm but don't have too many expectations um, because with so many young players that are going to be required to have an impact um, because just because and the nature of the turnover of the list, it was almost a third of the list that, that is new now. Um, so I think we're going to see some flashes of absolute brilliance from them. And then we're going to see some moments where it's just a bit frustrating, but that's the nature of a young, uh, an emerging side, Right. but it's a lot for the future. So seeing what Eliza McNamara can do, seeing what Alyssa Bannon can do and becoming enthusiastic about the next five years rather than the right now. And then when you look at uh, coming into this season, uh, moving on, uh, Fremantle, undefeated last season, obviously didn't have a chance to uh, play for a flag because of uh, COVID. They're returning just about everybody, aren't they? Yeah, I think we're going to see some structural changes from Fremantle in terms of just small rotations, given the fact that they're getting a lot of players back from in- um, that they didn't have at their disposal last year. Um, but in terms of actual, you know, their defensive line is going to remain very strong, very consistent. Um, their forward line still has all the guns in it. Like they haven't really lost anyone um, and they've only gained. So that is a pretty ominous sign. Yeah, they were quite impressive last season. And then now how far back does that winning streak go? Does it go into the previous season, you know, of 2019 or just uh, 2020? No, so 2019, they got knocked out of finals. So that was a loss. Um, So that was their last game for 2019. That Actually, while we're on the topic of Frio, I was looking at some numbers yesterday. And since the start of 2019, Fremantle have a home and away record. So excluding their one final, um, they have a home and away record of 12 wins and one loss. And their only loss came in round four, 2019 against Adelaide, who then went on to win the flag in most impressive fashion we've seen so that I know that um, a lot of people kind of don't consider Fremantle and and in Australia it's very much Victoria talks about Victoria and that's it Um, so everyone's talking about Carlton and North Melbourne at the moment but everyone's forgotten that Fremantle exists and that they've (laughs) just gotten stronger Um, they've only lost one home and away game in two years so I I think we should be worried that's why I brought them up quickly because they were so impressive last year and in the year before and now like you just mentioned 12 and one over two years span is quite yeah. impressive and then uh when you look at uh, you brought them up let's talk about Adel or adelaide excuse me uh a little bit uh obviously uh, in a sense defending champions in a, in a way uh yeah. two years ago but uh they've got some uh, injured players coming back you know who you know like uh, uh was it phillips uh who uh you know, the big one, the big stars of the AFLW, uh, you know, who played uh, in the WNBA at one time and uh, also uh, is a coach. And uh, I mean, she's she's the uh, the real deal. I remember watching her a couple of years back. Yeah. So both her and Chelsea Randall are returning alongside um, Hannah Button, who was previously Hannah Martin, um, and Chloe Shear is another big returning player. So they do have a lot a lot of players coming back, which is, uh, there's, there's an assumption amongst a lot of people that Adelaide are going to be amazing again this year, just because of the up and down. Um, I think the, the big thing about Adelaide that we need to keep an eye on is can their smaller players. So the, the smaller names stand up and actually have an impact on games without 
Phillips having to lead the way and show them or lift them. And I think that's been the big issue. And, and I think that's why there's that correlation between Phillips fit and playing and Adelaide playing well, 2017, 2019, mm-hmm. compared to Phillips either not playing or not being at full fitness and the team struggling. So 2018 and 2020. So I think she's 35. She stood down as co-captain. So Chelsea Randall is the sole captain that they need to find more from their team without her uh, because she's not going to be there forever. And it's not a sustainable way to play footy. I mean, obviously a player like that brings up others around them. And you can see that last year when she wasn't there and is the two years ago when she wasn't there and then when she was player, uh, a player of her caliber, even at, let's just say 75% of the games, meaning not necessarily play hundred percent is still quite effective for, for that squad for going forward. And I think that leadership, what she brings will, will help uh, be a leader on the, on that, on that squad uh, going forward, just because of a, example what she brings to yeah absolutely and I think that's that's the thing it's not just about what she does with the ball um or you know in terms of positioning or things like that it's about what impact her being there has on her teammates and I think that's the they're at the point at Adelaide now where there's there are they need five others that can have that impact on younger teammates rather than just her and just Chelsea Randall. Uh, Cause let's not forget Chelsea Randall is just a, as big an mm-hmm. in- inclusion yeah. into this side as Aaron Phillips is. So yeah, I think it's more about spreading the load and um, not relying solely on that one or two, those one or two lift the team. All right, let's get into it just for the heck of it. And then we're going to, I'm going to switch gears. Like I always do in the middle Car- <laughs> Carlton and, and- and of course, Collingwood tip it off this uh, this week here. Carlton, of course, led by uh, Taylor Harris. She's amazing as an athlete. Uh, I think I heard she won three uh, boxing matter or kickboxing matches this past uh, winter, or actually a winter for me, but uh, uh, off season I should say. And uh, they uh, they continue to impress, and they've made a lot of changes too. They've made some trades this past uh, off season coming into this year. Yeah, Carlton, I think, are a team to be reckoned with. Um, so Sarah Hosking um, traded out to Richmond, which was kind of their major um, trade. And then they got um, Elise Day and Maddie Guerin in from Melbourne. So Elise Day kind of cancels out the loss of Sarah Hosking. Um, and Maddie Guerin is a great kind of she, – she's incredibly talented, coming off an ACL, but – it looks like they want to use her as a running half back kind of player, which will be really interesting. Uh, they also, and this is still, I think up in the air, given the the conversation around the Olympics being canceled again. Um, Chloe Dalton is current as it stands inactive because she's um, also a rugby sevens player. She's a gold medalist from 2016 and, and wanted to focus on going to the Olympics this year with the Olympics being canceled Carlton haven't actually replaced her on the list. So they, they currently only have 29 active players, one inactive being her, which leaves the door open if, they, if, if there's no Olympics for her to come back and play this year, which would be a massive inclusion. Um, but if she doesn't, Mimi Hill is um, a draftee of theirs. She, 
I reckon she's going to win the rising star. She's so skillful on the outside. She's got that running ability. She reads the play really well. Um, and she's a very, very capable replacement for Chloe Dalton in that, in that kind of role. Collarwood coming into tonight, uh, this week's game. I was going to say tonight. I have a game for that tonight. I wish uh, it was tonight. <laughs> uh, I got a Newcastle game tonight. It'll be on Facebook if you're interested. Uh, <laughs> just having fun. Um, Chloe Malloy and uh, let's see, we got uh, Brianna Davey. Those are two uh, top players on the uh, Collingwood team. They made some moves too. They even, like I said, they, they brought in uh, some players from last year. They, I, I remember you and I talking earlier, they brought in some new coaching uh, for the, uh, the Magpies. So take a moment and talk about, you know, what they did this past season or this past off season coming into this year. Yes, big thing is, and to an Australian audience, but the traditional rivals in men's AFL, AFL-M, I like to call it, um, is uh, Carlton Collingwood, which is why they've kind of tried to force this rivalry between them and the women's. Um, Brianna Davey has been named as co-captain at Collingwood this year. Um, first time in the history of footy, men's or women's, for someone to have captained both Carlton and Collingwood. Oh, so wow. that's a fun, yeah, yeah, fun thing for her. Um, she's she's a star. The way she plays her footy is outrageous, but a lot of the time you don't notice it because it's just part of the flow of the game. Chloe Malloy, they've, they've signaled, oh, yeah, we're going to be playing Chloe forward more. I don't know why they've said that because they really did play her forward a lot last year. Um, so it's not a surprise. It's not new to anyone. I think she's a better defender than she's a forward um but we'll see what happens there yeah i think collingwood have everything at their disposal to improve again but it's about making the most of what they can do so they've they've brought in alicia newman from melbourne um they've got jordan memory there they're saying they're playing chloe Molloy forward their issue has always been their scoring can that be the thing they fix this year? Um, I worry a little bit because Alicia Newman kicked zero goal seven last year. Um, Chloe Malloy, you know, her set shot accuracy is something to be improved. Jordan Membry, she has been their leading goal kicker for two years, um, but it's just about getting more opportunity. But I think the key for Collingwood is Sarah Rowe um, when it comes to the forward line. So making sure they make the most of Sarah Rowe up forward um, will be huge. But the other thing Collingwood got in in the offseason is Steve um, Steve Simons, who is their head coach and has been since the start of last year. Uh, he uh, is good mates with the ex-North Melbourne coach, Scott Gowans, who had a 10-3 and record in AFLW coaching North Melbourne. Um, with COVID stuff going on, He his contract wasn't renewed at North Melbourne. Um, so he's been recruited as an assistant coach at Collingwood. I think that's the biggest off-season get at Collingwood um, out of everything. When you get experience like that and who mm-hmm. has had success, and then he, like you mentioned, they brought one of the Collingwood players over. That got to just make it even a little bit more comfortable for him, uh, you know, making that transition uh, as a uh, an assistant coach. Yeah, and I mean, he's mates with Steve Simons. Um, he knows a lot of the players because he has coached at Diamond Creek before where a lot of um, the Collingwood players were recruited from. So I, I think he's going to be massive to what Collingwood do this. 
All right. I should have probably started out with this, but you know me and my lack of notes. <laughs> We've, uh, I say we, as I said, the AFLW dropped the conference style of uh, standings this year and table and have now gone to uh, one large table of 14 teams. The fans got to be thrilled about finally getting that part right. Yeah, so all the announcements got made on on one day um, just prior to the fixture coming out, and we it was kind of like two big wins in the process, and there was still one thing that was missing, but it's like you can't complain about two wins out of three. So the two wins were the conferences being gone, so we have one ladder, which means that finals are less compromised because it's not broken up by an uneven conference system. Also, ticketing as $10 tickets being sold for every game as well. That was probably forced like that. Their hand was they're forced by COVID because of tracking people being there and the limiting numbers and putting people in sections. But ticketing is such a massive plus as well. Like people want to spend their money on women's football um, and they just don't have the opportunity to. So now they have the opportunity to, and people can vote um, with their, with their wallets now, which is a big, big deal. And a $10 ticket is not expensive at all. Um, The one thing we're still waiting for is for every team to play each other once. So the season currently isn't long enough for all 14 teams to play each other once before finals. That's, that's the loss right now, but you know, two out of three wins ain't bad. No, I mean, we're, it's, it's progress, you know, it's incremental, but it's progress. Uh, obviously the, the finals is three weeks long, so it's eight teams and it's a knockout uh, format. Six teams. Six teams. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're not, yeah. they're going to give a bye to two teams. Yeah. So I believe okay. actually I've got it written down here. Somewhere. Okay. I just knew it was three weeks. So I thought maybe they went with eight teams and kind of like they did last season, which I kind of liked the idea of uh, the expanded playoffs, expanded finals. So I have it here. So okay. the reason it's not eight teams is because. You can't, I think it's the whole, you can't give more than half the teams the chance to make finals or something. Ah. Um, so <laughs> week one of finals, first and second, uh, get a bye. The pl- team that finishes third plays sixth and fourth plays fifth. Um, week two, the winner of three or six plays second. The winner of four or five plays first. And then the two winners go through. Well, it's not, I mean, that's that. there's nothing wrong with the, a 16 playoff. I mean, it works. Uh, I know it's only 14-team uh, league this year. However, we had eight teams last year and it was only 12 teams, right? That was scrambling, though. <laughs> I know. They were I know, but absolutely I like Absolutely scrambling. You know what? I don't know. Sometimes I think teams are better off not having a buy. That week off rust where you're just not in sync right away when you come back. Uh, I mean, there's the plus that you have that full week to recover and maybe not be in a and a high demand of physical activity. And then you, you ramp it up the week before the, in, in round two, I guess you want to call it. But I kind of like the idea of a complete knockout where you have uh, all, you know, if you had eight teams, one versus eight in, and so forth and, uh, and just play it down. But that's just probably the American in me. Well, I mean, that conversation has been going on in the men's game since 2016, which was a disappointing year for me. Um, where they introduced the buy pre-finals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they hadn't done that, my team probably would have another premiership right now, but let's not talk about that. Yeah, it's a whole whole conversation, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, like I said, buys 
Pfizer, fine. I get it. And if it's scheduled ahead of time, I mean, obviously both teams would have it. It's also, it, it all depends on how you use that bye week. Like, for example, I'll use American football. There's usually a bye week between the conference championships, which are this weekend, and the Super Bowl. And the reason for that is purely for hype. It's not for any other reason is that they get to spend the whole week prior talking about it. And that weekend prior, all the team, the both the two finalist teams will travel to that location and they'll have a big party and they'll have a media day and all this craziness going on. And then actually you get to like Tuesday of that week that gets to the Super Bowl is when uh, all the media cuts off and it's just the normal talking heads talking about it and the players and the coaching staffs and all that focus on the game. But that, that weekend prior is all just about the hype of the game. And that's why it's done. It's not really done for any other reason other than to uh, expand the hype of the game. I don't know if that's what they do uh, for the finals uh, for the men's or, or for the ladies uh, in Australia there, but that's basically why we have a buy the week before the Super Bowl here. I think the reasoning for the men's is provide a week, like to, to create better finals. You want the best players playing. So it gives an extra week for players to get ready. But that's their, that's their public reasoning. I think privately, they're just trying to be more like American sports. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's true. Uh, let's face it. Uh, I mean, it's a billion dollar industry over here. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely insanity. Uh, the amount of money that's in uh, sports here, uh, even uh, collegiate, which is considered amateur sports, which really isn't, is, is, is a billion-dollar industry. I mean, they, the NFL didn't miss a beat this year. They played every game scheduled. They may have rescheduled them for the middle of the week, but they weren't going to miss any dollars that was available to them for COVID. Uh, well, that's the thing as well. Right that's the thing as well, though, is that the population over there is so much bigger therefore the market is so much bigger correct um whereas here the market is reasonably limited you're not going to really um expand that much more in australia it's just not going to happen the biggest expansion to the game in recent memory was by adding women's league and getting people that are interested that's the biggest addition to the game in terms of market value in australia so you know Again, that's a whole other conversation, but um, I, I think given the market in Australia, they have to think differently. They can't just try to emulate what you guys do because we don't have the people to emulate that stuff for. No, the market's smaller. I understand that completely, and I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I, I guess that's just because of, uh, like you mentioned, just the dollars and, and the size yeah. of the market of America versus uh, the rest of the world. I guess you look at Europe, though. Europe kind of does it for uh, soccer with their premier league and with the uh, European championships and stuff like that, they kind of combine together to work as one at time. But again, we're talking about a sport that's really uniquely uh, situated. That is really only played in Australia. I know uh, obviously it's taken some root in, in Ireland in the last few years. And there's some, some leagues here in America, but no one knows about them. Yeah, they're trying to break through. I actually just saw a tweet from the USAFL. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a hard one, especially culturally. Like the way we play sport, just in terms of not wearing, you know, protective gear is so foreign to right. Americans. So 
breaking through that cultural barrier is still a massive challenge. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think last year when uh, COVID hit, and I know this was the men's game, not the, uh, the the women's game at the time, that they had the Fox Sports here in, in America had a game, and it was just, at the time, there was really nothing else on sports-wise that one week, and it caught everybody's attention here. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, simply because I don't know if there's an outlet like ESPN or – uh, Fox Sports that will promote it and give it the opportunity to be seen like it did that day. Maybe it was just timing. It was a 10 o'clock start our time and uh, in West Coast time at 7 p.m. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people able to watch it in the United States. And I mean, myself being a fan of the game, I know most of the games for me start at the earliest 11 p.m. Um, and most of the time it's between 11 and 1 a.m. Uh, my time. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just nature of, the, of you know, obviously the time dis- differences. But uh, I think if the sport itself ever wanted to really crack through in America, it would have to find an ability to have a game probably about 10 p.m. Eastern time in, Ohio, in, in the United States. What, you know, what that would equal the top of my head, what is the, would probably be about noon. Your time? Yes. So then we, that's the thing. We have the issue here. Australia has, I think, during daylight savings. So right now, I think there's five different time zones in Australia, Mm -hmm. which is absurd. Um, But with WA, currently WA is three hours behind the East Coast. So that becomes an issue as well in terms of we can't have games start too early because... WA doesn't want to be watching footy at 9 a.m. Right. So that becomes the big question as well. And it's just, yeah, there's there's a lot to consider when fixturing sport. Um, yeah, it does. It's it, tricky. It, it, would, it would, you know, like I said, you know, and this is totally me going off the uh, off the rails here is, you know, the only way to, in my mind, to expand into the American market would be to have one game a week uh, that would kind of sacrifice uh, this fixture for a chance to be seen elsewhere in, in like in North America and, and, and that, you know, in that scenario, either in Canada or in the United States and that, but I mean, that's a totally different, you know, subject in time uh, getting back to <laughs> our, our favorite subject here, the AFLW. What is uh what is the normal start time for those games? I mean, like I, like I mentioned before we started recording uh, Carlton and, the magpies, by the way, uh, it will be like three ten a.m. here on the East Coast on, uh, in the United States. Uh, yeah, that's like set. It's I think it's a seven ten p.m. start for us um, on Thursday evening, which is normal for a Thursday or, or a Friday. Um, and then Saturday evening usually has a game around that time as well. And then on weekends, either Saturday or Sunday, we'll have three games. Actually, both will normally have three games. Uh, this week is different because of the Thursday game. Uh, but then, yeah, it's uh, just back-to-back on the afternoon. So there's uh, on a Sunday to be a 1-10, a 3-10, a 5-10 game, uh, which is tricky if you want to go to lots of games because there's no turnaround between them for you to actually travel. So you miss parts of games. Uh, so that's the next issue. But that that's done for broadcast value. So you know, balancing the value of the broadcaster versus um, 
fans that want to go to multiple games is the next big thing. So what is the limits uh, for uh, these uh, matches uh, with COVID going on there? Uh, is there like 2,500 if it's less than that uh, or 500 people because, or is it have not been really? A- it hasn't really been announced, but from what I can understand, I think most venues will just be at 50% capacity. So I think the opening game is going to sell out very, very quickly. So what is capacity for uh, like uh, the Carlton and the uh- Icon Park, so that's, I think, 25, 24,000. Um, okay. So, yeah, that'll be about 12,000, 13,000 at that one. Oh, wow, that's, that's not bad. It, yeah, people are still very nervous about getting tickets, though. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I, I trust me, uh, I cover high school basketball here in Northeast Ohio. Actually, Western Pennsylvania, I cover a school called uh, Newcastle Red Hurricane, and they play in what's known as the WPIL. That league has been very careful. Um, each school makes its own r- rules, meaning how many people can be at the game. And I've broadcast, I'll broadcast my fourth game today. Three of them had no spectac- spectators at all. All was there were the officials, the players, uh, the administrators for the schools, and the broadcast team. Uh, that was it. Um, and then uh, this past game, uh, it was a team just outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they had about, I would say, 150 uh, uh, spectators allowed, and they they had they had a big gymnasium too. They kind of closed off one end and uh, the upper areas and just opened up the bottom and had them spread out. Uh, that's not, you know, I mean, we've been dealing with this for a while now, but uh, that's you know how it's been done here. And then uh, they just announced here uh, the Super Bowl, which I mentioned earlier. Only 22,000 people uh, will be admitted to the Super Bowl this year, which normally 75 to 100,000, depending on the stadium. They're going to give 7,500 to healthcare. It just still seems ridiculous to me, uh, because probably because we've treaded so carefully um, and have had the ability to tread so carefully given how isolated Australia is. Right. It just seems crazy to me that, with everything going on, A, there's still live sport, but B, there's still crowds at live sport. Like that seems wild. Yeah. You like, know, I haven't been to live sport since round five of the AFLW last year. So that would have been March last year. Mm-hmm. We've had no, we've had no cases in Victoria for nearly a month. I haven't been to live sport in that long. I believe it. And I understand that. And uh, other than my broadcasting schedule, I have not been to a, uh, a, yeah. a sporting event. Uh, obviously, uh, I covered a, a high school football and college football here locally over the years, and we have they have had some of that, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it, it really comes down to state by state. To put it in, in simple terms, uh, the Super Bowl this year is in Tampa, Florida. Florida is <laughs> okay. a Republican state. Yeah, run by a complete a moron. Event. Yes, yeah, awesome. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the governor is a complete moron, in my opinion. And if I upset somebody, so screw it. I don't care. Uh, he is a complete moron. And uh, yeah, they've uh, they've suffered down there, in my opinion. And most of the states have relaxed most of the rules at a certain level. But like I said, we're under a new leadership now. Hopefully, good things will happen long term. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it's a dark winter to say the least here in uh, the United States. But we move forward. 
yes. Sorry and, to keep popping on that. Yeah, it's no, just, you know what? Yeah. It's it affects us all. It affects us all, and it is a big part of sports. And we talk about it on this podcast often, and it's not because I want to talk about it. It's because it affects everything. It's mm. you know it, all our lives, and it has changed the way we do things, and you know things we enjoy. I love nothing more. I would love to do to talk about uh, last night's game type scenario, but you know, last night's game yeah. might have been canceled, or yeah, um, last night's game might you know be postponed. And uh, you know, you you learn. I I tell everybody the same thing here. I says you have to be flexible. You can't be rigid. You have to be flexible. Uh, if you're a billion dollar industry like the NFL, you can bull your way through it and get get away with it. But mm. if you're a smaller community and it's high school sports, you got to protect the kids first, uh, the players and the administrators. And, and that that's what matters most, not um, the guy who wants to sit in the, in the stands and cheer for his local team. I mean, that to yeah. me, that's not important. You know, if they told there was one one facility that told us they didn't have room for us for the broadcast. I'm like, OK, fine. We won't be there. You know, and that's just the way yeah. it works. Uh, I've I've. I've gotten to the point now, like I said, to be flexible. If something comes about and you can do it, fantastic. If you can't, you know, protect yourself. Uh, I'm broadcasting a game with a mask on. First time yeah. I ever had to do that. But, you know, hey, you do what is what is required of you to get the job done or to uh, have that opportunity. And I know it's crazy. I know it's a different mentality. I definitely believe that, uh, that we've erred tremendously in our lack of ability to understand science and to believe in it in the United States. And it's cost us dearly and it's continued to cost us. Hopefully most of that's passed us in the next six months, good things will go forward. Hopefully these new variants of this uh, virus will uh, disappear or not be as threatening as some of them seem that they could be. I know I didn't want to get into all this neither, but again, well, I think, I, I think it's, it's valuable to, to mention because I mean, you're just trying to do your job. Whereas for us, those hard decisions were made for us and we didn't have to be the ones to sacrifice work or something because the the decision was made by the powers that be. So we, I didn't have to go out and be like, I'm not going to go and cover this football match because I'm, I don't want to be around blah, blah, blah. Right. It was canceled. We weren't allowed. It was as simple as that. I didn't have to make that choice. So I think that is a really big difference as well. It's not about the individuals like you. It's about the people above you that have the power that, to genuinely make change. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a legitimate point. And I think it's, it's fair. All right. Let's talk about some of these other uh, teams that need to be talked about. Um, let's see. Let me find out. Uh, I'm just throwing a name out to you and you tell me what you know about them. How's that? Sure. Let's 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 start with North Melbourne. Uh, they've uh, they've uh, had a, uh, a interesting off season themselves. They got what a new coach, I believe, and uh, they have some uh, some players returning also. Yeah. So they're the ones who didn't renew Scott Gowan's contract, who was the ten and three coach. Um, given COVID was their reasoning. Um, Darren Crocker is their new coach. He's he's never coached women before. Um, he's the, I think, a recruiting manager for their men's team. So it's very much um, it's kind of amalgamated everything, which is something we didn't want to see happen for the women's game. Um, but, you know, COVID gave us different uh, things to deal with. 
Um, they've also recruited Grace Campbell, who was one of um, Richmond's best players last year. So that's pretty exciting at the same time. She's a really tough um, a midfielder who, who gives you a lot of repeat efforts. So she'll protect your star players. She's never out of a contest. So that's really good. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they play her given the strength of their midfield. Um, they've also gonna, they're also going to have Jess Duffin return, who's an absolute superstar in the back line. She reads the ball really well. She's really tough and courageous and think Chelsea Randall, but much shorter effectively. <laughs> um, so she's going to be a massive return as well. And then uh, let's talk about Richmond. They uh, they have a a new coach, I believe, also. Yeah, who didn't get appointed until a week into the preseason when oh, they wow. haven't had a coach since uh, I think want to say May, April. Um, that long. It's a Holy whole, smokes. Yeah, um, I think it reflects on the way Richmond view their women's program um, was- by also canning their VFLW program, um, citing COVID when. They're one of the richest clubs in the country and um, were the only ones to can their VFLW program. So, uh, again, I think it just reflects really poorly on them and how they view the women's program that they've got at the club. Uh, That being said, they got a number of uh, mature players in. So Harriet Cordner from Melbourne, Sarah Hosking from Carlton, Sarah Darcy and Sarah Dargan from Collingwood. Uh, So they're all pluses. But that isn't going to immediately fix the problems that they had from last year. So I think we'll see improvement from them. They also got Ali McKenzie, who was the number one draft pick, who's an absolute star in the midfield. Just wait and watch her. She's going to be amazing. Um, But it's not going to immediately change the issues they had. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they come out in round one. I think that's Everyone's going to be kind of closely watching that because Last year, they got given the opening game, the season opener. Everything got changed for them. Um, and they came out and they were just very aggressive on the field. It, it was seemed, seemed like a directive that they were to be aggressive at their opposition player um, while not necessarily focusing on winning the ball. I assume that's going to change this year. So, yeah, uh, I'll be watching very closely when they play. Let's talk about St. Kilda. <laughs> I love the Saints. I know um, you do. That's one reason I yeah. brought it up. <laughs> There's a lot to like about them. Um, they've got a few new players in. Bianca Jacobson was probably their star recruit until she broke her collarbone in the preseason. Uh, so she'll be out for, and we, we don't know how long, but I assume for more than half the season. They also got Jade Van Dyke in, who's quite a big in. She's a really uh, talented defender who comes from the Hawthorne VFLW program. So she'll link well with people like um, Paddy Hill, who's one of the assistant coaches. He coached her at Hawthorne. There's a lot of other players, Rosie Dill and Tamara Luke on that list who are from that Hawthorne kind of crop. Um, they also have last year's leading goal kicker in Caitlin Greiser, but they've also recruited a couple of small forwards to help her. So their big thing is going to be about transitioning dis- defensive play into attacking play. We'll see what happens. And what makes them kind of unique is they actually do have a, uh, a female coach, if I'm correct. Yeah. Peter Searle. Peter Searle is, she's from, she coached Darabin to five premierships. Um, Darabin's the amazing um, VFLW club, um, Darabin Falcons. She, she plays quite a defensive, really tightly structured game 
which is great when you're just trying to enter a competition and not be blown out of the water every week. But what we want to see now is their ability to turn that into attack. Now, how many uh, clubs do have a, uh, a female head coach? Just the one right now. Just the one? Okay. Um, yeah. So there used to be, in the first two seasons, there were two. Michelle Cowan was coaching at Fremantle and Beck Goddard was coaching at Adelaide. Um, Goddard is now the head coach of Richmond. Uh, Cowan is working in the football department at West Coast. Uh, is there some uh, up-and-coming coaches that we should be paying attention to who may get an opportunity here in the next few years? Yeah, Jane Lang at Melbourne. She's another Darwin Falcons kind of um, kind of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's going to be incredible when she gets a head coaching job, um, and I don't think it's going to be too long before that happens. She's going to be an absolute star. The the other thing to consider is a lot of ex players um, or soon to be ex players are going to be the big crop of female coaches coming through. We're starting to see that like Amy Lavelle at Fremantle, she used to play for them and now is an assistant coach. I think she's one to keep your eye on. Um, And then I think up in Queensland, there's a few people like Sam Virgo who are coaching juniors at the moment while they're playing. They're going to be the next group to come through as well. So that's, that's, there is a tree and it's growing. That's the most important part. Yes. And yes. uh, talk about just uh, yourself now. What are you, uh, I know, uh, footy uh, commentating and uh, and writing is your passion. What is, what's going on with yourself? Yeah. So doing a lot of, um, a lot of footy stuff over the next season, um, helping with some research for some commentators, you know, doing all my stat stuff and um, running siren. We, our first newsletter for the year is coming out in a few days. So back onto that routine as well, which will be good. Um yeah, and just continuing to write and do podcasts. And I, I think over the past week, or we're right in the middle of this week, I think I'm guessing on six different podcasts this week about oh, wow. AFLW. So that's you can fantastic. hear me everywhere if you want. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking everything on um, this year because I missed out on so many opportunities last year. So I'm just like, Give me everything. I will do it all. I don't care how tired I get. So I'm going to ask you about your play on radio podcast, your preview and review. Uh, Will that be back this season? Yeah. And it's actually going to be returning with a a different host for the preview and a different host for the review. So um, I can probably say that in terms of uh, Julia Montesano, who used to work for the Carlton Footy Club and used to work for SEN. She's going to be co-hosting with me um, the preview. every. It'll be out on Thursday this week and it'll be out every Friday from the following week before the games, previewing all the games. And then um, Rana Hussein, who actually works at the Richmond Footy Club and um, is part of the Outer Sanctum, We'll be doing the review together every Sunday night um, and that'll come out as a podcast on a Monday. So we'll be doing it live for the first time ever. So we'll see how oh, that goes. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Live is yeah. live is more entertaining because you just don't know. Especially if you have someone like <laughs> me who just likes to jump around, not pay attention <laughs> and, or, uh, you know, just has notes, but they're just notes. They're not nothing yeah. important. You know? I'm the one that keeps us going back to the notes. Don't worry. <laughs> So, uh, Siren, uh, obviously they'll be big into the footy season and everything that they're, they're uh, covering. Just take a moment to talk about the, the Siren uh, newsletter that comes out. How can someone subscribe and uh, 
where is it available? Yeah, so once again, I'll be doing the roundup every every week, rounding up all the games. Um, it's effectively seven match reports in one article. So if you want to read about lots of footy, go there. Uh, you can find it at sirensport.com.au. Uh, where you can sign up to our newsletter. It comes out weekly on a Tuesday at midday. Um, we cover women in sport. So it's not just women's sport, but women behind the scenes. So we've spoken to Rosie King, who's the CEO of Netball Victoria, I've spoken to Michelle Cooling, who is the social media manager at the Sydney Swans, you know, all these different people that um, are involved in sport that never get talked about and have had to really fight for their opportunities. Um, being women and and just getting media coverage is a huge that's what we're about um yeah you can find us at sirensport.com.au or on twitter siren underscore sport can't wait it's, it's something i've been subscribing to for about a year now and it is uh, it's great information and it's, it's something to uh, pay attention to uh the pipeline there for those in the, in the administration side for uh for women in sports not just footy but in other sports is there an opportunity for some we've we're seeing some of that breakthrough here in america in the last year or two uh, for example the florida marlins uh recently hired their uh team president it was the first time a female has uh run a major league sports team here in the united States. i'm just curious has is there a pipeline available to some of these uh these women and and is there an opportunity for them to get to that level i want to say there is opportunity because the if the right person comes along then yes they'll get the job so Peggy O'Neill at Richmond is an example um, but it's I don't know that there's necessarily a pipeline I think it's women breaking down the door for other women coming mm-hmm. through so um, the first person that comes to mind to me is Sam Mock was that without her AFLW would not exist because she was pushing it from way back in 2005 oh, wow. um, but it's all about women having to break down that door for the women coming through. So, you know, it feels like a battle on all fronts as it stands. So just to get women's footy covered in mainstream media is a challenge. And just to get females um, calling footy um, or doing expert commentary or getting roles in the broadcast of any sort of footy production, which is a battle I'm having at the moment, that is, you know, a massive, massive challenge. Um, in commentary, Kelly Underwood was the first woman to ever call a men's footy match and others have come through past her and others have had opportunity because of her, but she really had to suffer early in her career doing that because she was the first and women are easy targets. So the answer to your question is people are trying to create these pathways, but a lot of it, a lot of it seems to be on women getting there and then breaking down the door for the next woman breaking coming glass through. ceilings as they say there's no question yeah. there. and that's I mean, hey it's opportunity and it takes a long time it's coming i know that it, it's just going to take time it's 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 developing here in america slowly like for example yeah. um, I, i'm a cleveland i'm from northeast ohio so cleveland fan the 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 browns had a new head coach this year they were successful and they hired their first ever female assistant uh, to be part of the uh, coaching staff. She actually is an assistant to the head coach. She helps run his uh, day. And then when one of the uh, coaches came down with COVID this year, she took over the uh, as the game coach for that position. 
which were tight ends this year uh, uh, in game, coaching the, those players uh, in the game. So, you know, there's little things like that are, that are happening here. Obviously, the Florida Marlins uh, went out and hired someone who's been in baseball for 20 years and overlooked for the last 10 and had a, an opportunity to become the president of that, that organization. So, you know, I, I see it slowly. And, and I can give you other examples. I know that it's it's a glass ceiling and it's it's it's, it's hard to shatter. Yeah, um, but you know, getting there slowly. I mean, it'll happen. Uh, it just is taking time, and it can be incredibly frustrating at times. No question about it. All right, let me get this. Uh, give me your final thoughts here. Give me your top four teams uh, that you expect, or well, or top three teams, whatever you want to do. That, that we should be oh, – let me rephrase it. Give me three teams we should be watching for to have success this year. How's that? Yeah, that's much easier. Um, <laughs> Fremantle, obviously, for the reasons I said previously, they've not really lost anything but only gained in the offseason. Um, Carlton, absolutely. I think Carlton have one of the deepest lists in the competition and some of the talent they have on that list is just outrageous and I'm really excited to watch them play. And then I'd say North Melbourne. I think North Melbourne are an interesting one. Uh, prior to the recent changes, they definitely had uh, what seemed like a very easy fixture. Assuming not too many other changes get made, they it would be um, remiss of them to miss finals. It all starts this Thursday uh, evening, correct? Yes, yes. I'm very excited. Got a you know, sort myself out, get ready for it all. Cause everything is going to be pretty crazy once that starts. Uh, well, you know what? Bring on the craziness. Cause I understand. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm like I said, I'm going to hang out from you and uh, head out the door to go to uh, Newcastle to broadcast a game. I'm going to come home, get some sleep and go back out the door again on Saturday to uh, broadcast a Facebook only game. And you know, it's just, that's what you do. If you have that opportunity, you just you you, you run from store to store or whatever you got to do, uh, mm-hmm. game to game, and uh, work job for work job. And I, I've learned that. And, and hey, it's something. It's passion. It's something we enjoy. I wish you the best. I thank you again for coming on. And uh, I usually ask you for a uh, an artist I should be listening to. So if you know one, go ahead and give it to me. I've been listening to a lot of Kira Peru recently. She's amazing, real funky kind of pop music. Yeah, go and listen to Kira Peru. All right, there we go. You got it from everybody. <laughs> I want you listening to Kara Peru. She'll, she'll give you, this young woman gives you good information and a lot of different <laughs> things. Let me tell you, if you need good information, Gemma's the person to talk to. At least in my opinion, I can't do worse. Uh, Gemma, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Have fun this year. Enjoy your opportunities. I wish you nothing but success. And uh, I look forward to talking to you maybe uh, maybe a month or so down the line and we'll talk about where the season lies as we head towards uh, the, the the push for the finals. Awesome. Thanks for having me, mate. All right. That's Gemma Bassiani. And we'll be, well, what the hell is it? I'm done with this podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Like I have to tell everybody, tell your family, friends, and enemies about RadioMVP.com. And we will be there for you. We do it every and every week, Anthony and I and all our guests. So once again, we'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP.